0: Hello and welcome to Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. My name is Christy Mayer and I'm joined by my fabulous co-host Andy Bannister. Andy, hi!
1: Fabulous, that's me Christy. I've had two cups of tea this morning, definitely fabulous is the word.
0: (laughs) We'll keep going with that and yeah, we have another fabulous person with us actually. It is an immense privilege being joined by the one and only Randy Newman. Randy, hello!
1: Hello, it's great to be with you. Thanks. It's uh, great to have you on the on the show, Randy. Thanks for thanks for taking the time out of what I know is quite a busy schedule. Glad to be here. Very very glad.
0: We're so pleased you can join us, Randy. Am I right in saying that you've had about is it over thirty years of campus ministry experience that you've taught at different seminaries? And are you are you currently at the C.S. Lewis Institute in Washington? What are you doing at the moment?
2: You have all of that information correct? Yes. Oh, uh, I am, uh, what do we call me at this? At the C.S. Lewis Institute, I'm a senior teaching fellow for evangelism and apologetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do a bunch of teaching adjunct at some seminaries and also a small Christian college, Patrick Henry College. And yes, I was on the staff of Campus Crusade for 34 years until mm-hmm. about five years ago. So um i i should be a lot smarter than i am but uh this, this is this is what we have
0: that's wonderful wow
1: now christy you were you were telling me as we were chatting earlier of course you yourself were involved in 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 campus ministry not quite for as long as as randy i think you were doing it for about 32 years
0: uh, <laughs> i know i aged well right
1: <laughs> you Aged really really well all of you like other products are available um <laughs> And one of the things I remember you were saying to me was that when you were doing campus ministry and, you know, sharing your faith with students and things on campus, you know, Randy's book uh, was a book that you you used, uh, Questioning Evangelism. Mm. And, uh, you know, what was, why was it so significant? And uh, then I'll let you kind of ask Randy about it. What was it that, you know impressed you about it and you could you know you could plug his book rather than he plug his book Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) well I think one of the things that I particularly loved about it is just how questioning evangelism is designed to really help people um, know how to think about an issue more than what to think about it so it's how Mm. to um, encourage people to be thinking about what's going on beneath the questions so the questions there are to serve um, the person that you're speaking with to help them to come to understand their own position a little bit better that's one of the things that I really loved about it and I found it really quite interesting and Randy I'd love to hear um, what you think about this is that just to get to know you a little bit more, you were you were raised Jewish, weren't you? Yes. And I'd love to kind of know, how did that unique rabbinical mm. outlook, how did that shape your evangelism, particularly questioning evangelism?
2: Oh, well, I think that's the major influence in it. Um, I did grow up in a Jewish home and I uh, didn't come to faith until my second year in the university when I was 20 years old. And, uh, you know, the Jewish culture was just so deeply ingrained in me. And uh, at one point, I started doing some seminars teaching Gentile Christians how to do Jewish evangelism. And I said, you know, with Jewish people, it has to be much more of a dialogue, back and forth conversation. It's not just a one-way presentation. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's very important to answer questions with questions, because that's just Jewish culture. That's the way it's the way we communicate. And more and more people started coming up to me afterwards and saying, "You know, I think this would work really well with gentile people as well as Jewish people." And I went, "Hmm, really? I didn't I didn't think that was possible." Um so that was a very very important part of my approach to evangelism. The other piece of the puzzle was I was always on very difficult campuses where the standard, typical evangelistic strategies just didn't work. They, they didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., different parts of the country respond to the gospel differently, or it cer- certainly that was the case 30, 40 years ago. And there were strategies that worked very well in the south of the U.S. and the Midwest of the U.S., but not on big East Coast cities where I was serving. So I, I had to experiment because nothing was working. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So as you sort of un- unpack that, as you put it, uh, Randy, very kind of Jewish style of evangelism dialogue to and fro, and I think, you know, through the book and, and others have discovered that, that the use of questions is so, is so powerful. Why, why are they so powerful? Mm-hmm. Why is it do you think the questions are such a, a good tool in evangelism? Why do you think?
0: <laughs> Ooh, <that's laughs> I, think. <it. laughs>
2: I see what you did there. Okay. I see All that. right, but I wasn't just joking. Yeah. Now, what happened when I, I mean, uh, other than the joke, when I said, why do you think? It engaged you in the answering process. See, when we answer a question with just an answer, the person who posed the question doesn't have to be engaged in the process. They can just stand back at arm's length and sort of watch you. And so it's a much different experience for them, the questioner. And so that's why I think answering a question with a question makes it then uh, like uh, two, two people are now wrestling with the answer, not just one. I wonder if there's
1: something as well you know as the as the father of two young kids that there's something with anyone who's parented you know young children comes to quickly discover that if you can help them you know discover truth themselves rather than just present it to them, help them through education you know come to the answer then actually it sticks much deeper and I wonder that whether the same is true for evangelism as if in that dialogue process you're effectively almost almost uncovering the arts together. It's going to be far more meaningful for the other person if they feel, oh, yeah, Randy didn't just present this to me. He helped me uncover it.
2: Yes, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And 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 when it comes to the gospel, we want people to experience it. We don't just want them to, to know an answer to a question. We want them to know the Lord. We want them to be gripped by the reality of the gospel. And so this kind of... Rabbinic style of teaching is is all the more crucial when it comes to evangelism. Hmm.
0: What would you say? I'm just thinking that sometimes in in a UK context, people can get a little bit frustrated by. not answering the question so I've, I've used questions a lot and also just in in um, supervisions when I was working with UCCF in uh, with staff workers it's just so helpful because as you say it helps bring the other person to an understanding of what is going on but sometimes people can say things like well you're just avoiding answering the question by asking another question um, is it how, why the follow up question? And you've kind of touched on that, but how would you kind of work around the frustration that someone might be feeling through being asked another question when they've already asked one, wanting to know what the answer is?
2: Right. Well, I, um, I you know, it, it, this isn't a formula. So um, I, I'm not there was an old formula of, okay, people ask this particular question, here's the answer. So you have a list of questions. If they ask question number three, you deliver answer number three. That's a formula. I'm not trying to say, well, let's replace that formula with another formula, which is they ask a question, respond with a question. What we're trying is to really make it a dialogical, conversational engagement about the gospel. So, I do think sometimes people are frustrated and we need to be very careful to jump in. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid the question. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do want to make this something where, where we're both engaged in the process of discovering the answer or, or uh, encountering the answer. So I I think, you know, they ask a question, we say, well, now what do you think is the answer? And if, if very quickly they say, Hey, you're just avoiding the question. I, I think I would, chime in with well I, i'm sorry i don't i don't mean to be avoiding the question but i do want to make this the best possible conversation that we can have where both of us move uh toward a better understanding of the issue um sometimes sometimes the person's just they don't really want to know an answer they're just trying to attack us mm-hmm. and we should recognize that and know how to play that game too so i i don't know is, is that helpful Uh, to respond to your question (laughs) see i'm trying to respond to a question
0: i I think that's so helpful because it just pierces through the subtext of um the perception of perhaps it's a bit of a power play in because it can come across as a little bit patronizing Mm. sometimes as well asking the next question so actually just saying no this is why i'm doing this is because we're both discovering truth together which um I've been recently reading into the work of Michael Polanyi. You've probably come across him, a former scientist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and philosopher. And he talks about how we want to be a society of explorers where together we we discover truth. So I think just being very open, particularly in a post-truth context about our motivations, and we're doing this mm-hmm. so that we can come to know together. That 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 speaks a lot to the to the integrity of truth and of us as persons being limited in, in our discovery of that on our own. I think that's wonderful. Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: Yeah. Oh, a couple of things. I I think interested me uh in what you said, Randy, and also your response there, Christy, that I think even if for people who are a bit sort of perhaps more more answer based in terms of you know their friend asked them something they they're tempted to answer even i love what you did there with christy when you gave an answer and then you ended it with a question saying was that helpful did that answer your Mm -hmm. question because i think even that step with people can be helpful to invite your listener in right to Mm -hmm. i've given you what Mm -hmm. i think
2: but if you think it's rubbish please tell me if i wasn't clear please please tell me you know um i i just remembered and by the way, that's what happens in a conversation. People remember things <clears throat> along the way that they hadn't mm. thought of at first. So that's the beauty of a conversation. But also part of this, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, wrestling with or, or putting together this kind of approach. Um, I also remember taking some classes when I was in seminary in counseling. Mm. Um, I was considering the idea of going into counseling. And we learned all of these different kinds of techniques of questions to ask. Uh, in the process, I found out, oh, I really shouldn't be a counselor. That's a that's a it's a it's great calling. It's a wonderful gift. I'm not that kind of uh, member of the body of Christ. <laughs> it's almost scary for me to think of what I would be like as a counselor. You know, why are you doing that? Stop that. It's terrible. No, no. What are you, crazy? Um, which is probably not a good thing to say to someone in a counseling setting. I don't know that for certain. But anyway, what I did learn was... All of these different ways that questions can help people move along, Mm -hmm. not just in their discovery of truth, but understanding themselves better and understanding how truth connects to them in their experience. And that's, um, so I remember writing a paper for one of those classes of a, of a counseling approach to evangelism. Uh, and, and so that, that's some of what we're trying to do, um. Mm. one question i've i've sometimes
1: encounter uh randy when you sort of go into this sort of questioning evangelism uh sort of approach to things occasionally i've come across christians i think are a little bit nervous of it because i they feel that it gives the impression that the gospel is somehow uncertain and a mm. bit woolly even talk of discovering truth together you know people i think oh gosh that sounds rather liberal <laughs> and postmodern. how do we kind of reassure uh you know our christian mm-hmm. sort of friends and brothers just is actually no this isn't this isn't in any sense questioning the gospel it's thinking more about how we help people get to the reality of of Christ. What would you say to somebody who says, this makes me nervous, you just need to preach the simple gospel?
2: Well, um, preaching the gospel and proclaiming it is definitely a very, very important part of the process. So I don't want to say, well, let's just ask questions and let's just make it a a dialogue because because a very, very important part, really the, the core is proclaiming here is the truth So I'm very firm on that. I guess I see questions and dialogues as a form of pre-evangelism or as a form of helping people understand the gospel that has already been preached to them. So I I, I do... um, I think that that's a fair critique of my approach. And I want to say, um, yes, let's remember that the gospel is to be proclaimed. It is itself self-authenticating and powerful and cuts mm-hmm. through. Um, but but there are too many examples in scripture of Jesus asking questions and doing dialogue and Paul doing the same thing in addition to proclaiming the mm-hmm. gospel. So I don't want to make it either or. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and...
0: I was just thinking about this role of just answer, asking questions generally. Why why do you think that we we kind of shy away from this? Because what you're saying, it, it is absolutely revolutionary. And part of me thinks that the art of, Andy and I were talking about this a little while ago, that the art of having conversations is dying down a bit. Why do we need to be reminded that it's a good thing to to ask questions? I mean, do you, do you think it's fear? What, why do you think we need to be reminded of this? Why is it so difficult for us?
2: Oh boy, there's probably several things. Um, Well, I do think there is a fear of compromise or shying away from the gospel. That's always, that has always been a problem, and it always will be a problem, I think, because of the. The countercultural and counter uh, human approach or, or nature of the gospel. The gospel is offensive, and we don't like to offend people, and so we we want to be. There, there's always a temptation to back off and and downplay the harder edges of, of the gospel. So I think some people are very afraid of that, and that's that's good. That's a good fear, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also the the problem is uh if if we've ever experienced training where they give you a script of here's what to say that just feels easier here let me just read this booklet to you let me just tell you these four points let me just quote these bible verses i've memorized and that's a very good strategy i think in evangelism it's just not the totality of it and so when we start saying well you should ask questions you should listen people feel like, oh, wait a minute, this is a little too free form. This is, it's certainly not scripted. And uh, I, I think that can make people nervous. I do find, though, that when people try it out and they engage in really good conversation, um, they grow in their confidence and, and they see that the Lord can use that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talk there about um, about
1: trying it out um. Randy, I'm sort of conscious that we've, we've, we've sort of, you know, talked a lot around the question asking approach in the last uh, few minutes, but maybe there are folks listening to this who think this sounds really interesting, actually. I've never, never tried that. Never thought about this. What are some first steps that you might encourage mm. someone to do? I mean, obviously buy your book, questioning evangelism would be the very obvious <laughs> first step, but people are like, let me try this out first. And then I'll, then I'll buy the book. Yeah. What, what how would somebody perhaps
2: adventure into this? Who's never tried this before? What, what could they do? Oh, that's great. Well, well, I, I think conversation is a really beautiful gift that God has given to people created in his image. Um, our God is uh, a communicating God, and uh, he communicates to us with words, and we communicate with each other with words and conversation. And conversation is something that people do that, that animals don't. And so it's mm-hmm. a really great thing. So I would want to encourage people, just grow in your ability and confidence in Being a good conversationalist, and try starting with things easier to discuss than the gospel. (laughs) The gospel—it's pretty heavy-duty stuff. So, a lot of people, a lot of us, never really engage in good conversation. We just, you know, we throw clichés at each other. Hey, how you doing? Good. How you? Good. Nice weather. Yep, good. That's it. Um, So, why not develop skills of asking questions and then listening carefully, and then? commenting about what the person just said before you just launch into your uh agenda so um so learning how to be a good question asker and a good listener that i i do training in that in all of my seminars because um everybody thinks they're a really good listener and they find out as they get into this oh there's there's a lot more to this than i thought hmm
0: I think that's one of the things that I really appreciated about your book when I first read it is that you have some examples of the kinds of questions that we can ask in any conversation and I just thought oh gosh this is so simple (laughs) and yet it's almost um, there's almost a fear to asking the question because you're not quite sure if you can answer the question um, that that might be posed back at you or you're not quite sure how to kind of navigate the the conversation as a result but these are such simple questions that you that you put out that grows us in any conversation could you just give us a, an example of some of those questions that we can ask in in any of our conversations with with friends or coworkers,
2: hmm, I should be good at this, right? Huh. <laughs> um, no pressure. Well, I, I mean, just starting to get to know people. There's all sorts of different questions of, you know, where you're from, and what do you like to do, and what do you, what are some of your favorite things to do in free time, and do you like to watch television? What are some of your favorite shows? Why? Why? What is it about that show or the, that book or those things that are of interest to you. Um, uh, Just uh, tell me more about that. Why do you suppose Mm -hmm. that is Um, those kinds of questions when, when, um, when you want to go a little further? Well, what do you mean by that? Um, um, Of all of the things you could have said, why did you choose that topic? Mm -hmm. Um, Isn't it possible that uh, there's another way to look at that? Um, I, I think you know, it's kind of funny. We're we're more connected with other people than ever before with our phones and texting and all sorts of things, and yet more and more people say they feel alienated and lonely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we don't have face-to-face conversation yeah. of looking at people's facial expressions or commenting on things like, Oh, that sounds great, or oh, oh, tell me more about that. Oh, that sounds upsetting. Are you are are you bothered by this? Those kinds of questions, and the biggest thing I want to tell tell people is try experimenting and seeing which questions work for you. And it's okay to ask a question or make a comment that doesn't quite connect because you know sometimes we say, uh, "Oh, that sounds difficult," and the person looks at you, "No, it wasn't difficult at all," and say, "Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let me try that again." I, I think even trying and not connecting actually does connect in an ironic kind of way because it says to the person i really care about you and i'd like to hear more from you instead of a conversation just being a uh almost like a tennis match back and forth back and forth back and mm-hmm. forth where people aren't really engaged in dialogue they're <laughs> they're they're almost engaged in simultaneous monologs that mm-hmm. there's been some that's some fantastic
1: uh, advice in the in there randy well we're coming more as the the end of the show um christy i'm i'm interested as we sort of set this up at the beginning of you know how you'd use kind of randy's work on 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 campuses um you know how have you found that it that it that that it's gone down uh Mm. when you've when you've applied this in the uk because obviously randy's over here as a as kind of us kind of visitor and some things translate some things don't how have you found that it's gone down when you've put it into into practice
0: yeah I i think it's um I mean, as we said before, I think this is a game changer because often, particularly students, feel like I have to get the right answer and if I don't know it, then I'm undermining the gospel. And being able to use questions as a way to get to know the other person uh, as an act of, of love and sacrifice of pointing to the gospel, I think takes the pressure off the individual but also more more significantly creates relationships so it moves it moves the conversation on and it means oh yeah I actually want to I actually want to hang out with you a bit more so I think particularly in a cold uh in in cold contact situations uh or even just with with friends late at night it means I want to hear I want to hear more about what you have to say about this. This isn't me um, bringing the truth to you in a vacuum that you either accept or reject. This is me wanting to expose curiosity and, you know, just um, build relationship with you, mm. get to know what you think so that I can at some point more meaningfully share the, the truth and beauty and relevance of Jesus to you in your context mm. as we, both, as we yeah. both grapple with his reality.
1: Well, Randy, I really want to kind of thank you for taking the time. I love where you ended there, Christy, because I think that's what I appreciate about, about you is your concern, Randy, for that relationship with the person mm-hmm. and very much yes. winning the individual and uh, and not the argument. So uh, thank you for Absolutely. all you've taken the time to share. Uh, thank, thank you for the book; so It's been much, a, big, a big impact on many. And I hope for you listening to this at home, um, this has encouraged you. If you haven't before, get up there, try asking questions, uh, think about dialogue, conversation. And if you want to go deeper, highly recommend uh, Randy's book, Questioning Evangelism. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. This is a listener-supported podcast. We can only make it with the support of our friends uh, across the country and around the world. And if you'd like to be a part of that community, simply visit the website, thepeptalkpodcast.com and click on the support the podcast button. If you sign up to support uh, Solas and the podcast for as little as £3 a month as a thank you, uh, we will send you a free copy of my book, The Atheist Who Didn't Exist, or if you prefer, Christie's book, More Truth, as a thank you. And through your support, we can keep making more podcasts like this one.